as we kick off this message here, I just sense in my spirit, what do we ever need? The love of God in relationships across the world. So right now, oh God, we are asking you, in Jesus' name, inundate every single relational circumstance with your love. Whatever is out of alignment, put it in perfect divine alignment. Whatever is not of you, evict it right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Whatever is held captive or bound, set it free by your spirit. Do it now, right God. Do it now. Do it now. Let today be a day of a righteous relationship reset in Jesus' name. If you believe it, say amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. It's Valentine's Day 2021. It's Relationship Day. And there is, there is this, this shift, this dichotomy. And today, to this very hour, we have a number of churches that have great angst in mentioning the word Valentine because they think it's some sort of pagan motif somehow that it's permeating the church culture. In 269, there was a man named Valentine. He was a priest. And this man named Valentine, it was before Constantine. So this is before the Roman Empire embraced Christianity as the official religion. The, the Roman Empire had great angst with the fact that the Christian faith was growing. They were persecuting Christians. This is the time where they would come after Christians, decapitate Christians, put Christians in Colosseums and the lions would devour them. This was that time. And the more that the enemy came against Christianity, the more it grew. And every single day that they would suffer persecution and prosecution, the Christian faith would grow even more. That's why when I hear all the hype on social media about how Christians are being persecuted, and we are, the United Nations reported Report it. Please do your do Google due diligence on this. Don't take Pastor Sam's word for it. The most persecuted religious ethnicity on the planet is Christianity. On the planet. It's not what you think. It's Christianity. So right now, there's great persecution against Christians. And even in America, there's a lot of censoring. And if you're a Christian and you believe certain values, good luck with keeping your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter accounts. That's the reality we're living in. But what Mr. Valentine inspires me with is the fact that the more Christianity is persecuted, the more Christianity explodes and grows. Because you can't stop the gospel of Jesus. You can't stop what is of God. So this man was, was doing something interesting. The, the authorities, the governmental authorities said the only way to stop Christianity from growing is by stopping them from getting married. So he forbid Christians from getting married. So guess what made Valentine famous? He would marry them. He went around going, you guys in love? You're both Christians? Here it is. You're married. And he would marry them. That's what he would do. That's so cool. And he got caught. Yeah. Then he was in prison. When he was in prison, ready to be executed... He found out that the jailer had a daughter who was blind. So Mr. Valentine prays for a miracle. Guess who experienced the miracle? The jailer's daughter. The jailer's daughter who was blind received her sight supernaturally by the power of God. So what 
the day the man was executed, he left behind a note for her and said, you're Valentine. And that's the Valentine's true story. So, ladies and gentlemen, this comes from an era of love, overcoming persecution, overcoming prosecution. So 2021 is very appropriate. On this Valentine's Day, on a Sunday, we're here to declare, one, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that his love endures forever, and that the church of Jesus can never and will never be stopped. So on this day, and we're going to expedite the process, I want to speak to you about relationship reset. Righteous relationship reset. Next week, we're going to go back to Matthew chapter 4 and 5. We're going to go back to what we normally do of our Matthew series. And boy, is God stirring up a word. So y'all don't want to miss next Sunday. But today, we do it once a year. We focus on relationships. Let me begin by making the following declaration. My vertical relationship has horizontal consequences. My vertical relationship has horizontal consequences. You can't say that you love Jesus and treat your spouse and your significant other like hell. You can't say you're full of heaven and then treat people like hell. And I don't mean that in a coarse, rigid way. I mean that in a spiritual way. My horizontal relationships, by the way, have vertical consequences. You can't deny that. What does this mean? My relationship with God determines my relationship with others. And similarly... My relationship with my significant other does impact my relationship with God. Because you can't separate your vertical and your horizontal relationships. You can't say, I'm great with God, but I'm terrible with the one that I love. And by the way, you can't say, I'm great with the one that I love, but I'm terrible with God. You can't. You might think you're great, but you're actually good. Because to be great, you need Jesus in your life. So on this day, on this Relationship Sunday... Let's look at some of the most well-known, recognized couples in the Bible and extrapolate eternal truths that will enable you and I to refresh and, if need be, reset our relationships. Let's begin. This is lessons I learned from couples in the Bible. It may end up being a book, but here it is. First couple, Adam and Eve. Literally, the first couple. This is what I learned from Adam and Eve. This is, what, this is for you. Now, if you're married, this is for you. If you're dating, this is for you. If you wish you weren't married, this is for you. (laughs) If you're single, this is for you. If you're desperate, I mean, if you're seeking, (laughs) this is for you. So regardless of your reality, you could be widowed. This is for you, for you to be able to teach your spiritual sons and daughters some biblical lessons regarding couples. Adam and Eve, what did I learn from Adam and Eve? Genesis chapter 3, I want to read some stuff real quick for you. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? You know the story. Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. And then the serpent said, you won't die. The serpent said, you won't die. God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced, verse 6, she saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband. (laughs) Adam never spoke to the serpent. Adam never spoke to the serpent. Adam never spoke.
spoke to the serpent. Eve spoke to the serpent. She was deceived. She then deceived Adam. Adam was in essence contaminated with secondhand smoke. Here's what you need to know. Who your spouse, who your boo, who your significant other talks to will determine what you will be fed. I should repeat that. Who your spouse, who your boo, who's, by the way, if you're over 45, what's boo? That's what Casper would say. Who, who your spouse, who your boo, who your significant other talks to will determine what you will be fed. Your diet is a result of your spouse's conversations. I am missed You're going to end up eating what your spouse is hearing. My spiritual condition is connected to the spiritual reality of my spouse. What does this mean? It's not about going to heaven or hell. That's an individual reality that comes through a personal relationship with Jesus. However, your spiritual, your relational atmosphere will never be in alignment of God's promises until you and your spouse, significant other, are in the same spiritual page. What does this mean, Pastor Sam? Eve spoke to a serpent. She ate from the tree and she shared the fruit. It goes deeper than that. Eve spoke to a liar. She consumed the lie, so she fed Adam a lie. You will feed what you are fed. That's the thing about sin. We're never selfish about sin. The only thing we're never selfish about is sin. We never want to keep it to ourselves. We always want to share it. Be mindful of who has your partner's ear. Let me repeat that. Be mindful of who has your partner's ear. Much of the drama we experience in a relationship actually arrives as a result of your partner listening to a serpent in the garden. Oh, wow. I almost like got slain all by myself here. What comes into your ear will determine what comes out of your mouth. What you hear will determine what you say. And what you say will determine what you see. When there is drama in your relationship, the first question you should be asking is, who is your partner listening to? Tell me who you're talking to. Who asks your ear? Whoever, whoever has your ear will inevitably have your heart. Oh, mm. this, thank you, Pastor Ray. It's my Valentine's Day. She's my amen corner today. You can hear her. This includes people, podcasts, and postings. Here's a word. Here's a word in order to keep your relationship healthy and thriving. Stop listening to serpents in the garden. Stop listening to unauthorized voices. I kid you not. It's the voices. It's the voices. It's what you're hearing. What you're hearing will mess up your relationship. What you're hearing, it's the input. It's the input. It's the data. It's the info. It's the intel. It's the gossip. It's the perception. It's all of that. It's not. Don't give everyone your ear. Your ear is sacred. Faith cometh by. And hearing of the. You need to stop listening to unholy voices. 
Stop listening to toxic voices. Stop listening to gossiping voices. Stop listening to drama-filled voices. Stop listening to voices that are out of alignment with the word and the will of God. By the way, stop listening to wounded voices. Stop listening to wounded voices because wounded voices say broken things. Am I preaching to anyone here right now? Oh, I'm going to preach now. Whoever is of God, hears the word of God. John 8, 47. Mark 4, 24. Pay attention to what you hear. Romans 10, 17. Faith coming by hearing. So by faith through Christ, I come in agreement of God's will for your life. And I declare as it pertains to your relationships online, your relationship in Los Angeles and Sacramento, all of our friends and followers on the world, I declare as it pertains to your relationships and your future that you and the one you love will no longer listen to the serpent in the garden. Oh, I don't know if you're getting this. Never again will the serpent deceive you and your loved one. Never again will you pay attention to voices that are not of God. Never again will you permit the devil to divide what Christ has brought together. I'm going to prophesy to you and your, your relationship, your marriage, your relationship will be hearing from this moment on the promises of God, the word of God, the will of God, the spirit of God, the grace of God. The mercy of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the future for your life that is in God's hands. So stop listening to serpents in the garden. If you're getting this, raise your hand. I learned that from Adam and Eve. I learned from Abraham and Sarah, Genesis chapter 21, another iconic couple. This is it. This is an iconic couple right here. I'm trying to think of iconic couples today in current culture. Give me a couple out there that's iconic. Don't say Kanye and Kim. That's over. Yeah. Give me something. Pastor Sam and Pastor Ava. Oh, that's cute. That's adorable. Um, Abraham and Sarah. Genesis 21. The Lord was gracious to Sarah. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised so she became pregnant. And bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised. Here's what I learned from Abraham and Sarah. If you're taking any notes relationship wise. First, you're never too old. I just... We, we have a polity regarding what we share from this stage, so I want to put it in a nuanced way. You're never too old to Marvin Gaye. No, I'm just framing it in a way that it's not offensive or obtrusive. You're in, is there, I can't think of a better way of putting that right now. So here's what I learned from this couple. They were old. They were very old, and I mean very, very old. They were so old, to be honest with you, we're being very frank, it's an adult sort of setting. I don't know if any blue pill would have helped. They were that old. And yet, God supernaturally, poop, Sarah ends up being pregnant. Here's what I really learned, seriously speaking. You're never too old as a couple to give birth to something new. 
You're never, I don't care if you've been dating or married. You've been married for 10, 20, 30 years. Pastor Eddie mentioned 30 years. You've been married for 40, 50, 60. You're dating for all these years. You're never too old to give birth to something new. New ideas, new endeavors, a new dream, a new goal, new expectations, new opportunities. You're never too old to give birth to something new. As a couple, always be fruitful. Give birth, and I don't mean just to physical children, to spiritual sons and daughters. Give birth to new ideas that will employ others and bring an end to generational poverty. We do not, very powerful. The other thing I learned from them comes from the fact, here's a story, you need to hear this. But, but Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham was mocking Isaac. Here's a quick soap opera story. True story, not made up, it's in the word. So this guy named Abraham, he was married to Sarah. But he had a, I'm gonna, a concubine, for hours sort of context, he had a living maid, okay? So he had a living housekeeper maid. So he had this person in the house, her name was Hagar. So Abraham, God says, I'm going to give you son, I'm going to give you son, I'm going to give you son. And I'm going to give you son with Sarah, with Sarah, with Sarah. The baby didn't come. The son was never born. So Abraham took it upon himself to help God. So he prematurely jumped the broom, came over, not in the wedding sense, but literally broke covenant. And he has sexual intimacy with Hagar because he wanted a son. So the purpose was to a son. The Bible, you know, his purpose was there. So he wanted a son, and Hagar gives birth to Ishmael. The maid gives birth to a son, but not what God had promised Abraham and Sarah that he went because he couldn't wait for the promise. So he tried to help God for the promise being fulfilled. He, he thought that he could help. Sometimes we get in the way. Sometimes we try to think like we can somehow push God's timing. Somehow we think that we can somehow accelerate the process. Am I preaching to anyone? And then when Isaac was born, he, there was already an Ishmael. Let's call for, for, for lack of a better term, let's call Ishmael the mistake. Let's call Isaac the miracle. So the moment that Isaac was born, Ishmael began to mock Isaac. Your mistake will always mock your miracle. Ooh, boy. Ooh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Sarah did not tolerate it and demanded that Ishmael and Hagar go away. Ladies and gentlemen, I learned this about relationships. We have Ishmael thoughts, Ishmael behavior, Ishmael connections, and Ishmael habits. You cannot permit your mistake to mock your miracle. In your relationship, in your home, in your marriage, in your dating, you cannot permit the mistakes of the past to mock the miracle of the present. You can't permit your mistake to hang around your miracle. Every time you bring up your ex, you're permitting Ishmael to mock your Isaac. Every time you bring up your prior relationship, you're permitting Ishmael to mock your Isaac. I'm preaching now. Every time you compare your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your significant other with someone in your past, you're permitting your Ishmael to mock your Isaac. Now let me ask you, what did Sarah convince Abraham to do of Hagar and Ishmael? Send them far away. I don't want them as a part of my life. Out of here. Send them far away. In your conversations, in your life, in your mind, in your prayer life, in your relationship, your mistakes belong in one place, under the blood of Jesus. Your mistakes belong in one place. 
far away. Psalm 103 verse 12 says, He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Hebrews 8.12, I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Permit me to come in agreement with God's will for your life and your relationship, and declare by the power of the Holy Spirit that your Ishmael days come to an end right here, right now. You're not getting that, but you're going to get it now because I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm here to tell you, you will no longer live with your mistake. You will no longer live in your mistake. And you will no longer live for your mistake. If this is for you, raise your hand. From this moment on, you will live in your miracle. You will live with your miracle. You will live by your miracle. And you will live for your miracle. If that's you, somebody shout, my Ishmael days are over. My Isaac days are alive and well. I dare you to raise both hands and repeat after me. My Ishmael days are over. My Isaac days are alive and well. Your mistake will no longer make fun of your miracle. Your mistake will no longer make fun of your miracle. Your mistake will no longer make fun of your miracle. Your mistake will no longer make fun of your miracle. Get ready. In Christ, your mistake is no longer a part of your life. So I'm believing from this moment on, you're going to walk you're going to walk, live, breathe with your Isaac. In your relationship, never, ever, 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 ever bring the Ishmael near. God already dealt with your mistakes of the past. Quickly, I have to hurry up. Lot, Lot and his wife. Lot and his wife. This is an easy one. Genesis 19, 26. Lot's wife behind them looked back. She became a pillar of salt. That's simple. That's simple. If you, in your relationship, if all you do is look back, if, you, if all you do is stay focused on the past, Bringing up the past will always keep your relationship down. Focusing on the past pushes back the future. This is what happens when you look back. In a relationship, if you're always mentioning the fight that took place three years ago, if you're always mentioning, remember when you were this five years ago, remember when two years ago this happened, remember when, when we first got married this happened, remember when, if you continue, that's why your relationship is like a pillar of salt. It's stuck. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere because you're always mentioning the past. You, you can't have it both ways. You can't come to church on Sunday and talk about the blood of Jesus, forgiving your sins, and then when you get home, you bring up your past to your spouse or your wife or your husband, your group. Are you with me right now? If the past is the past, it's under the blood of Jesus. God already dealt with it. Do not, let me repeat it for the one millionth time. Do not resurrect what God has crucified. Don't bring it up. Somebody shout, don't bring it up. Stop looking back. Stop saying, but you hurt me seven years ago. You hurt me 10 years ago. You hurt me 15 years ago. Jesus heals everything. Jesus repairs everything. Jesus changes everything. Man. This is not supposed to be that kind of preaching. It's supposed to be more of a teaching St. Valentine sort of kumbaya, let's cuddle kind of preaching. 
Latin, well, I've got to finish because Pastor Eddie's telling me my time is up. Ruth and Boaz, iconic couple. The book of Ruth, here it is. Ruth and Boaz. Who are you, he asked. I am your servant. Spread the corner of your covering over me, Ruth 3.9. For you are my family redeemer. You know the story about Ruth and Naomi and Boaz. You know the story of Naomi and Ruth. Ruth is the daughter-in-law, and she's not even part of the Hebrew tribe. She comes into the family through marriage. All of a sudden, we have this dynamic, and they end up back in Bethlehem. They reap a second harvest, but I love this story. This woman whose husband died, who's hanging around her mother-in-law, like the most closest mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship ever, and they're around each other. The daughter-in-law looks at the mother-in-law and says, your God is my God now. And from this moment, wherever you go, I go. I'm with you. We're stuck. And, and like the mother-in-law's trying to get rid of her. She tried her best. True story. She went like, stay here. I'll get you a Starbucks card. Like whatever you, no, no, no. Wherever you go, your God be my God. Your people be my people. If you live, you live. If I die, I die. I'm going with you. I will it. So they go back to Naomi's original place, to Bethlehem. And Naomi has a relative named Boaz. Boaz has money. Boaz is just, he has, he's bougie. He has money. The man is, and all of a sudden, this woman named Ruth, Naomi gives her some instruction, tells her what to do. Get, go to Victoria's Secret. I'm contextualizing. But honestly, she did tell her, get some perfume, take a shower, look good. I'm not making that up. So I'm just, in today's terms, go to Victoria's Secret. Uh, and by the way, Victoria's Secret, everybody already knows it, so it's no longer a secret. So she, she tells her everything, and go, she, go, she, she gets to the, 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 the bottom of his feet. He has a cover. He's on the threshing floor. And, oh, by the way, intimacy always takes place on the threshing floor. What I learned from Ruth and Boaz, find Boaz on the threshing floor. He's going to have a sheet covered up. Take part of the sheet and cover yourself. You're conveying a message that you want to be under his covering. And we, we don't mean temporarily. That's just code word for you don't, you don't have a wife. I'm a, I, I need to be your next wife. Now, I want to put this in perspective. Intimacy always takes place on the threshing floor. What does this mean, Pastor Sam? The threshing floor is the place where you hit the wheat, and the wheat is separated, the wheat from the white. The wind separates the wheat from the shaft. It's a hard place. It's a place of thing. There are many people here who have been married for many years that discovered that in your most difficult hour on the threshing floor, you became more intimate. Whenever there's a threshing floor season in your relationship, let the Lord flip the script and use it in your favor for your intimacy to grow with Him and with each other. Because intimacy takes place on the threshing floor. So there it is. He, she asks for covering and, and He renders the covering and you know what that means? It, it, it means that He covered her and then subsequently they became married. So I want to speak to every roof in the house watching online around the world. Make sure your Boaz is covering you. Wives, you need a husband who will cover you with prayer. You need a husband who will cover you with God's promises. You need a husband who will cover you not just with physical intimacy, but with spiritual intimacy. Are you with me right now? You make love with the body, but you make life with the soul. And you need someone. You need you, you, you are husbands, wives, wives, husbands, if you're dating and you're about to get married, you are your spouse's primary covering. 
Cover them when they go to work. Cover them when they go to school. Cover them when they make critical decisions. Cover them with the blood of Jesus. Cover them with the word of God. Cover them. Psalm 91 verse 4. His massive arms are wrapped around you, protecting you. You can run under his covering of majesty and hide. Raise your right hand. I dare you right now to cover your spouse, your girlfriend. If you're not covered, you're exposed. Every, your spouse, your husband, your wife, your significant other, cover them every day in prayer. Man, Ruth was smart enough. I, I'm not leaving here, Boaz. I need your covering. We need to cover each other. I, I, I know we're online and we're posting and we're doing YouTube and podcasts and coming to church. But the number one covering you need in your relationship is your spouse's covering. Are you with me right now? Show me a couple. I know you can go to dinner together. I know you can get coffee together. I know you can laugh together. But if you can pray together in the name of Jesus, the gates of hell will never prevail against you. If you can pray together in the name of Jesus, there's not a devil in hell or a demon on earth that will be able to take away your peace, your joy, and your love. Cover your spouse. Let the Boazes, let the roof stand up and cover each other with the word and the authority of heaven cover 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 final final point last point Sean is telling me you're really done Pastor Sam so we're done it's Mary and Joseph final couple this is what I learned from Mary and Joseph Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 says an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and spoke to him don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife for your child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit Luke chapter 1 verse 30 don't be afraid Mary same words the angel told her, for you have found favor of God. What does this mean? What did you learn, Pastor Sam, from Mary and Joseph? Individually, each of them had an encounter with God that revealed their purpose before they came together as a family. I have discovered as a pastor that a lot of relational strife in married couples is because one of them discovered their purpose, the other one did not. One of them had a revelation, the other one did not. Mary and Joseph each had a revelation from heaven before they established the fullness of family. Marriage is supposed to be a holy covenant between two complete people. Marriage is supposed to be the coming together of two people who know who they are, what they have, and what they are called to do. Each person must receive a revelation of what God has individually for them before they collectively thrive in the fullness of marriage. Are you getting this? When you do not know what God has for you, you will never truly discover who you are to each other. Simply stated, this is what we learned from Mary and Joseph. Your spouse, the one you love, your, your, your significant other, must be someone who believes and respects your dream. Because they already have their own revelation. Someone who comes in agreement with your prayers. If the number one prayer partner is not your spouse, you're going to have a glitch in the proverbial matrix. The number, if you have to call your best friend to help you pray for something first, before you call your spouse, there is something out of alignment. I'm not saying you shouldn't call your best friend. That could be an add-on. That's the overflow. But the number one person coming in agreement with your prayers needs to be your spouse. 
Oh, I'm going to prophesy now. I know it's Valentine's Day and it's relationship and it's one of those days, but I'm going to prophesy. What about some of you are right now with a spouse, with a husband or a wife, doesn't come to church, doesn't truly know Jesus. Let me declare by faith in the name of Jesus as we are speaking right now on this day. The Holy Spirit is invading your house. The Spirit of God is invading your spouse. And I am believing, can you come in agreement that before 2021 is over, you and your spouse will be worshiping Jesus together, lifting up the Lord. If you believe it, shout amen. I'm declaring that your marriage will be completely saved, that your family will be completely saved, that your prodigal sons and daughters will come back home. What did I learn from Mary and Joseph? That someone you need to marry, find someone in your life who is already complete in Christ. You are not there to complete them. You are there to add value and grow alongside them. If you are dating and you're about to get married and the person is telling you, I need you in my life to be complete, that's a red flag. I need you to be complete. Be complete in Christ. Because if you are 100 and I'm 100, we're going to have double portion overflow every single day of our lives. Are you with me? Complete. I know who I am, therefore I know who we are. Find someone who, who loves Jesus more than they love you. All by themselves and without your help. Someone who doesn't mind you being you. The real you, the crazy you, the weird you. If you're dating and you're not married, remember this rubric that we learned. And remember, I married, I'm crazy. I married Pastor Ava. We all have crazy, by the way. The problem is when you both marry the same level of crazy, there's always one that has to be a little bit less crazy than the other. Because two same crazy makes things crazy. And we all have crazy. We all have enough crazy that'll keep us sane. We all need a little bit of craziness that'll keep us sane in a crazy world. But you need, you need to find someone who doesn't suffocate you. And suck up all your oxygen. Someone who doesn't mind you being you, the real you, the crazy you, the weird you. Because if, you, if you're trying to make someone into your own image, there's a problem. If you wanted to marry yourself, you should have married a clone. These are lessons I learned. Lessons I learned from these iconic couples. On this Valentine's Day, I am asking God to reset through righteousness each of our relationships. I'm telling you, if your relationship is solid, if you're married, God will solidify it. If you're divorced and you're saying, I don't know if I could jump this thing again, God is a God of second chances. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you're single and you don't want to be married again because you're so tra traumatized, you can teach spiritual sons and daughters, the next generation. You can teach lessons that are biblically substantiated so people that are coming after you will avoid the mistakes where they don't inherit your mistakes but they inherit your wisdom and your miracles. It's for each and every person here.
if you received what God just said, raise one hand. If, it, if something, if at least one point resonated in your spirit, raise both hands. If you believe that God can fill your relationship with his precious Holy Spirit, and your relationship can shine for the glory of Christ, stand with me right now, I want to pray over you. I'm going to let you go. But I'm telling you, if we have healthy families, we have a healthy church. If we have a healthy church, we have a healthy community. If we have a healthy community, we have a healthy state. If we have a healthy state, we have a healthy nation. It begins with the family. It begins with relationships. It begins with that outline. Lessons learned. Out of all these points, I love them all. My two favorites were Adam and Eve. Be careful who you're listening to. Be careful. Don't, don't let your spouse, do not permit your spouse, I know it's a strong term, guard each other, keep each other accountable. Don't listen to serpents in the garden. I want to remind you that serpent didn't talk to Adam and Eve, didn't talk to Eve, didn't talk to Eve in the middle of a fiery furnace or in a pit. It was in the garden. Be careful with life's gardens. Be careful. It's in the garden. The enemy knows that you like attractive things, that you like beautiful things. So in the garden, the serpent will talk to you. Be careful. And I love Mary and Joseph. Get a revelation of Jesus by yourself. And then together, you can raise a family that will change